are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Coffee with Kim. I invite you to journey with me to a new day. I believe God has led you to this moment and this place because He is about to bring purpose and potential to your story. So join thousands of women and men from around the globe who have discovered how powerful their stories become once Christ touches them with His purpose. Don't you long to make this same discovery? Then grab your coffee, scoot in, and join me as we let God's Word reveal how every part of your past has been preparing you for this very moment. Well, what is the big deal about unity? And have we thought about what unity in life, what it truly is? What, what does that mean as a believer? Is there a link between our God-given destiny and a lifestyle of unity? I don't know. What do you think? These are big questions, aren't they? That we're going to begin to unlock the answers to right here, right now, today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Coffee conversations of friends of faith to encourage and equip this is kim crable delighted to have you with us i'd like to welcome back our regular coffee friends and welcome you if this is your first time joining us either way it's always an honor to have you well from the time kevin almond was a youth pastor he was bothered by what he saw as a lack of unity in the body of christ Because of this, he resolved to discover everything he could to learn about biblical unity and then to share it with anyone who would listen to that. Now, that's been over 30 years that he's been doing this as a speaker and teacher, as the author of nine books. Among his key discoveries is the link between our God-given destiny, boy, that's a big word right there as well, our God-given destiny and a lifestyle of unity. Oh, doesn't that sound interesting, listeners? So today, I want to dive deeper into, into what that lifestyle looks like and why it matters so much to God to, and to each of us. So it is my honor to welcome to the program to, today a conference speaker, author of nine books, a Bible teacher who has taught across denominational, gender, age, and racial lines for over 30 years. He has been a keynote speaker at the National Day of Prayer and is a certified John Maxwell coach. He is the husband to Kathleen, the son to Jonathan, and today he is our guest for a full hour. What an honor it is to have Kevin Amon. Welcome, Kevin, and thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you. It's, It's an honor to be here, and I'm really excited about the program. Thank you for having me. You have such a deep voice. Have you ever done radio? I mean, you sound like a radio guy. <laughs> well, I was in radio for a number of years. I was on the other end of it. I wasn't a DJ, but uh, I did do some live radio. I used to have my own program years ago, so, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I knew you were either in radio or or you were a country music singer sometime in your life. It had to be one of the <laughs> Atlanta, you're in Texas, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Fort Worth. So many times our, yeah, Fort Worth. So many times our listeners are thinking that we're sitting across the table from one another, but we're doing this uh, remotely, so it's, it's fun to be able to remember that, gosh, I mean, even what technology can do for us now is incredible, and I, I love that I'm able to bring on guests like you that otherwise I wouldn't be able just to sit with. So thank you so much for giving us this full hour of your time. I know you're a busy guy doing lots of things, so we really, really appreciate it. So so let me just start out. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm hoping it's okay to call you Kevin. Is that okay? That sounds kind of yeah, casual. Right. but Okay, Perfect. all right. Okay, great. Well, let's just start there. We met just a few weeks ago at a conference that we were doing together on um, – 
in in the Atlanta area. And I was just, I saw your books. I was just amazed. I, of course, had heard about you before, seen your books, but to really dive into them and the deep message that they bring to each of the believers is something that I just knew that I really wanted to talk about. So, so let's just start there, um, Kevin. This word unity, it, you know, it's it's a big word. Let's can we just start out by breaking that down for our listeners? What does it mean? Uh, what does what does that word mean to the believers? Well, I, I always like to to uh, use the word biblical when I'm talking about unity in terms of the body of Christ and what what Jesus prayed. In John 17, when he prayed for unity, because you hear unity talked about on television networks, uh, you know, secular news, and you hear people use the word very casually. And it's yeah. been, uh, you know, very recently, I'd say within the past oh, five or six years or so, you've, you've heard a lot of people from a lot of different walks of life talk about unity. And I think because of that, too, people begin to wonder, what is it? Because everybody gives their own ideas on it often. And I like to focus on what does the Bible say about unity. So I, I, I use the word biblical unity to make sure that we're qualifying what we're talking about and that people know that it's we're, when we talk about unity, it's going to be what does the Scripture say about the mm-hmm. subject. And if we do that, what we're going to find is, see, the body of Christ for a long time has not had the correct definition of unity because we've always talked about, usually if you ask people, even today oftentimes, if you ask somebody what is unity, uh, they think that it means that we have to agree on everything. And I find it uh, very, very interesting that it's been over 2,000 years since Jesus prayed for unity and we're still not unified. Something meant yeah. right. And, you know, people, when you ask people about unity and they say, well, I think it's about agreeing on everything, it's really not what biblical unity is about. It is about agreement. The element of agreement mm-hmm. is in there, but it's basically two parts. And just uh, very quickly, if I could just uh, share the, the quick version yeah. of, of what unity is uh, so that we're all on the same page, based on Scripture, Jesus prayed in John seventeen twenty one through 23, he prayed that we would be one as he and the Father are one. He said, I pray that they be one as we are one. And then he said, so that the world will believe that you sent me. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but there are t- here are the two quick elements of unity that pretty much mm-hmm. sum up the definition. Because you can explain to find unity many different ways but it would all say the same thing. It's such an intricate subject. You can you can define it any number of ways and still be on track, uh, because unity is is the most intricate subject in the Bible, I believe, simply because it's talking about the love of God. When we look at mm-hmm. it, it is about agreement, but it's about agreeing on what the Father and the Son agree on. It's not about us agreeing on everything that we may have in our belief system. Because when somebody says, well, I think unity is about agreement, everyone in times past have thought that they have to accept what the other person believes. And people can have in their belief system a lot of things that don't even line up with Scripture. They're just based on opinion. And, you know, God, God doesn't expect us to agree with anything that's opposite of his word. And so when we look at, the agreement portion of it. We don't have to agree on everything that we we both have in our belief system, but we should agree and do have to agree based on what Jesus said, everything that the Father and the Son agree on. He said, I pray that they be one as we are one. So our unity must mirror the relationship principles between the Father and the Son. And the other part of, of unity is simply walking in love because when you study it out, First uh, John four eight, God is love, and I, I love what Jesus said. You know that there's there's two great commandments. He said, you know, mm-hmm. the first one and the second one, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. But then he said in John thirteen thirty four and thirty five, he said, a new commandment I give you that you love one another, even as I have loved you. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples when you have love one for another. 
And so if we studied the relationship between the Father and the Son fully out, we're going to have love laced all through it because God is love. So we, we've got to remember that we must walk in love toward one another, even when we don't agree on everything. And what we've done in times past, the body of Christ has allowed the, themselves to become separated because we've had differences or disagreements. And instead of continuing to walk in love towards one another, like Paul said, quit biting and devouring one another. And what that's mm-hmm. actually saying is the body of Christ is consuming itself. <laughs> so, and we, we don't want to yeah. do that. That's not, that's not a good thing. So we want right. to walk in love toward one another, even when we don't agree on things. And, and there are going to be many times, of course, when people don't agree, but that doesn't mean that you separate. Uh, now, there, there are certain things that we all do need to agree on that are basic doctrines of Christ, of course. You know, Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. You know, he uh, came down from heaven. He mm-hmm. died on the cross, shed his blood for the mm-hmm. sins of man, rose again the third day, seated at the right hand of the Father, those things. Well, sure, we do need to agree on those things. If we don't agree on those things, then something's wrong. You know, we've got some mm-hmm. problems. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. there are some other things that we're not going to agree on, but we, we shouldn't let that separate us. Well, and that's a good point right there. I mean, because everything you just said right there is worthy of a conference. You could break all that down. But here's here's the thing. Okay, I love, because you do hear people say, uh, groups, well, we're in unity, and then this group over here is, we're in unity, and they're in unity among themselves on whatever it is, their, their soapbox is, or whatever, you know, they're trying to prove, they, they've convinced themselves that they're in unity, and we see that going I mean, rampant across the world today. Is that, what was it in in this that that drew your attention to this, that brought you to this topic? Because that's just an interesting for a young man but to, as a youth pastor. And, and I see that you cross all denominations, which is what I want to do in, 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 in our ministry, is to be able to have a message that surpasses denominational divides. So what was it about unity that just... Was it the way that you saw the churches working or people in the churches working? What created such an interest in this, this, this thing called unity? Well, God just began to, to open my eyes to it. I, I, just, uh, I just always saw people in the body of Christ from different denominations and different church affiliations uh, just at odds with each other or not willing to really come together. And for me, it just stood out so much that I began praying about it. And as I prayed about it, God began uh, revealing to me that he wanted me to focus on it and began giving Mm -hmm. me strategies as a youth pastor to bring the youth groups together. And so I started, that's where I started, and contacting churches to see if I could get uh, youth pastors to come together in a meeting where we would just simply uh, preach the gospel and get uh, teenagers that did not know Christ, invite them to the meeting, and get the churches to come together. And so we had about 12 churches, 12 to 15 churches coming together. And, you know, this is youth pastors. Some of the pastors of those churches weren't really interested, but they let the youth pastors be involved. But uh, so I would just always pray about it, and I I just know that God opened my eyes to it. It's the best way I think I can explain it. Is He just revealed it to me. Now I know it was because of the purpose for what He put me here for, because He was preparing yeah. me to talk about it, teach about it, write about it, and do whatever whatever I could to bring an awareness to the body of Christ about not only the need for unity. But what is unity, and how do we walk it out in our everyday life, and how does it affect all the different parts of our life and our relationships? Because really, unity and relationship are synonymous; they're the same thing. So, okay, talk about that for a minute. For a minute, but, well, before I want you to talk about that, but before this, I want one of the things that you said that I think is walking in love. You know, as we are agreeing with God, we, we begin to walk in love. That word love is not always um, what we expect it to be. And can you talk about that? It's not always warm and fuzzy, right? To walk in love doesn't mean, again, we don't agree with everybody just to, uh, what is it, uh, um, 
something about get, get, getting getting along to get along or whatever it is. But we don't right. Do, Right. We don't we don't we don't compromise just to walk in love. So how does that work in all this? Because there's gotta be division even walking in love. So how does that work? Well, it's funny when you say that word division, a lot of people uh some people are familiar with the scripture where Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. To set yeah. a mother against daughter, a father against a son, and a mother-in-law against a daughter-in-law. Now, that's very strange terminology for Jesus. If you look at the word peace, when he said, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring the sword, the word peace can be translated unity. That makes it even stranger because I thought he came for unity, but that's what way most people are viewing it. But here's the breakdown of that scripture as it relates to love. When, when, uh, when the gospel, when truth representing the gospel, or when any kind mm-hmm. of biblical truth is proclaimed or walks up into the midst of a people, a group, a family, an organization, a business, when truth is proclaimed in the midst of a people, there are decisions that have to be made. There's a divide mm-hmm. often because people have yeah. to decide, Am I on this, do I agree with truth or do I not agree with truth? And when truth mm-hmm. is proclaimed, that's when you find out who is really for truth and who is not. And so sometimes yeah. before there can be unity, there has to be a division so that, mm. that we know who is really for truth. But in terms of love, because remember, truth and love are synonymous. Uh, God is yeah. love, First John 4, 8. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. When he said in, uh, in Matthew 22, verses 37 and 39, that the greatest commandment was to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and the second was like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. A lot of people can't love their neighbor because they don't have the first commandment in place, meaning this is the true picture of the cross, meaning that the vertical post of the cross is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He first loved, the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. John three sixteen we know, for God to love the world. His love comes down through his son, and we reflect that love back to him through obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. He said it three times in John 14, and he said it in John 15 and John 16. So obedience is evidence of our love for God. That that doesn't mean that if we mess up that we don't love God. That's not what that's saying. Right. We've all messed right. up. And thank God that when we do mess up, we can repent and ask his forgiveness and move on. But that vertical right. post of the cross is us reflecting God's love back to him and building that relationship intimately with him and getting those things in place so that we're prepared horizontally to have a kind of relationship socially, ministerially, in business, uh, family, any kind of relationship that we have, that's the horizontal post on the cross. You can't, you can't place the horizontal post of the cross on the vertical post if it's not in place. It won't, it won't stand. It won't stay. You've got to have wow. your relationship vertically correct before we can begin to have horizontal relationships properly. And this is one of the reasons why the body of Christ is not in unity, one of the primary reasons, because we haven't focused as much as we should on that vertical relationship so that we can be properly prepared to express his love in the horizontal relationships. Because if we don't express his love in those relationships, too many other things can get in the way and the relationship falters if trust is not at its foundation and, and the love of God isn't being expressed through the individuals, then the relationship cannot grow, it can't prosper, and it can't be at its, its healthiest point. So for us to walk in unity, we've got to be sure that we're walking in God's love. And that's really what these nine books are about. These books are about uh, teaching people how to walk in love, not only towards the Lord, towards the Father, and build that relationship, but how do we take that love and how do we spread it through all of our relationships so that the foundation of each relationship can be the way that it needs to be so it can become everything that God wants it to be. I can be the father that I need to be. I can be the husband that I need to be. 
my wife can be the, the wife that she needs to be, the mother that she needs to be. We can be the, the proper friend that we need to be to people around us. I can be the best teacher that I can be. If you take God's love out of these relationships, then you, it's not going to last. Right. Now, and, and don't that you think, like, I love... I, yeah, I, lo- I love the visual that you gave of the cross, and I love the fact, and it just it just makes this two profound truths to me. And one is, we as a people are trying to do it on our own. You know, we're forgetting about the cross, right. the vertical. So many times we're just like we're t- we're trying to do it all on our own, which is impossible, and that's where the frustration and and everything comes into. But another thing that I wrote down while you were talking that I think is really profound for our listeners, uh, and I just kind of did it because I did a play on word, but divide to unify. Many times God has to divide to unify because we can get ourselves in the mix of of um, people who don't believe according to the Bible or even in situations where we could even find ourselves there. So it's an ongoing process of unity. And so um, that's, uh, this is, I, this is why I love the subject. I think there's such a depth to this that we're not getting. And I love, I mean, listeners, if you, I mean, you have to order his books off of Amazon or, or we'll talk about that later, but just the depth of the topic but yet you present it in a way that's very understandable and practical, which is something that's very important to me. But um, so, Kevin, in, in looking at this, and you've had many years to think about this, you've written many words about it, what would you say is the great disconnect in the body of Christ today concerning this thing called unity, the biblical unity that we're talking about? Well, you know, this has uh, puzzled me for a long time, and God just began to reveal these things to me. The, the church, as we talked about in the beginning, has not fully understood what biblical unity is. And so uh, over the years, over 30 years of, of working with different denominations and, and different church affiliations and different people within the body of Christ relating to citywide crusades, uh, outreaches, um, all kinds of different aspects of, of ministering to people with the body of Christ together or attempting to at least as one. What I've, I've discovered is, you know, what I believe God has shown me is, is that because people have not had a, a, a full understanding of what unity is, we've seen people say, well, you know, look, we just can't agree so so we made it well. We we know we're supposed to be in unity, but look, we're, we're not going to agree on everything. So so let's just uh, you know let's just I'll stay on my side of the street over here. You stay on your side. We'll wave at each other. We'll even have some conversations. We may go to a prayer breakfast. Uh, we'll pray together at a prayer breakfast, but uh, and we may just have a casual lunch. We may even go to conferences together. And, and be represented to different different parts of the body. But as far as actually working together and really coming together in unity, uh, it's not going to happen. Let's just let's just all focus on getting Jesus in front of the people, getting the gospel out, getting people into the kingdom, because we all know how to do that, uh, so respectively. So we know how to witness to people. We know how to tell people about Jesus. From So from our own street corners and in our own churches and our own ministries, we'll do that. But as far as coming together, let, let's just uh, let's just let's just do the work of the ministry, and and we'll just leave it at that. And I've seen that happen for for years and years and years. Here's the thing: Jesus never, never disconnected. What what I had just mentioned there is you've got you've got unity and you've got evangelism. Those are the two things I just talked about. Uh, yeah. So the church has disconnected those. They were never meant to be disconnected. Jesus eternally connected unity and evangelism when he prayed. I pray that they be one as we are one so that the world will believe that you sent me. So in other words, the very believability of the gospel in the world's eyes solely, if, if not completely, depends upon the unity of the church because when we come together, that's the greatest degree of God's love being manifested and expressed outwardly in an outward fashion. And that's what draws people to Christ is the love of God. 
And so Mm -hmm. when we're separated and we're not walking in unity, we don't have the full expression of the Father and the Son. So the world sees that disconnect. I think sometimes we don't think the world sees the disconnect, but they they know that the body of Christ is not unified. And some people, Mm -hmm. they will never read a Bible, but they read us. And, you know, it's... It's uh, Jesus eternally connected those. They were never meant to be disconnected. Unity is vital and crucial for the greatest evangelism effort that we will ever mm. see. Now, I've, I've seen some great evangelism efforts. I've seen, you know, uh, crusades, outdoor crusades, where there were, were literally uh, a million or more people in the crusade and people getting saved and coming to Christ. And you think, gosh, how... How much greater uh, could we see? I mean, well, the, you could take the greatest, uh, the greatest event that we've seen, the greatest results that we've seen of the gospel reaching people, and it doesn't even come close to what we could see, and I believe we'll see when the body of Christ comes together. And it's not just, no, it's not just the big citywide crusades that I'm talking about, but just the the things that we'll never see that are happening in the home between the husband and the wife and the family things that happen mm. behind closed doors, relationships are strengthened. But here's, here's the thing that we must understand about unity, is that we think about the body of Christ, and when we, when we hear that phrase, the body of Christ, we think of it as a, a, just a, a big group of people, the body of Christ, and that's true, it is. But the body of Christ is made up of individuals, and the call mm. to unity that just gave in John 17 is an individual call before it's ever a corporate call because the Mm. body is made up of individuals and that individual call is calling everyone to get their spiritual house in order we've we've got Mm. to quit focusing on pointing fingers and talking about people Ephesians 429 I talk about that a lot it says to let your words be seasoned with grace to the hearer yeah we've got We've got to focus on ourselves and letting uh, God do inside of us what he wants mm-hmm. to do. And then if we will yield to that and surrender to that and let him do the work inside, because when we come to Christ, the work just begins. <laughs> we're, not, we're not finished right. at that point. You know, God's got a lot of work to do on us. And if we will just grow in him and let him let Him do that work inside, then if everybody did that and we began walking in love, you've heard the Old Testament scripture that the children of Israel were only 40 miles and 11 days away from the promised land. But because of That's their right. sin, they wandered. They wandered in yeah. the wilderness for 40 years. Well, we're only 11 miles, 40 miles and 11 days from unity. We're not far. Yeah. All we have to do is simply walk in love. It, it Just take make it your your priority in your Christian life to study and find out what does it mean for me to walk in love and let God do the work in me that he wants to do and then yield to it, be obedient to it. And if everybody did that, it wouldn't take long. We would be in unity to the degree that that God, to that Jesus prayed uh, that we would be. It's very simple, very simplistic, yet very intricate. Yeah, and, and, and think about what it costs. You know, when we think about what you just said, that costs us dying to self, dying to our own desires, you know, surrendering, sacrificial obedience, which are all of these spiritual words that sound so, you know, um, religious. But really, it it all comes through what you keep talking about. You're talking about love for others, but that comes through what you first talked about, that that, uh, vertical love. That when we really fall in love with Jesus, like the Samaritan woman did, like so many people we saw, you know, we see throughout the Bible, Paul, Saul, when we really fall in love with him, then it doesn't become such a sacrifice to want to get rid of the things that are not in alignment with God's word. And I think, to me, that is, you know, Kevin, that's one of the things that I love, that, that my heart is uh, craves, is that thought of all denominations, all ages, all of us being able to focus on, you know, the truths of God so that there is unity. And I want to talk about that when we come back. I want to talk about, uh, you know, I've just, God really called me this uh, at the end of last year to do something this year that was kind of radical, had no idea how he was going to provide for it, didn't know what, 
you know, but but I knew that's what he wanted me to do. He called me to do a national tour based just on friendship, uh, friends of faith, and you know, in the middle of coffee conversations of friends of faith. And Kevin, he's called me to. It's just going back to the basics of what of the ministry of friendship and what that means biblically and what how what a calling that is on our lives that we just have been so blindsided by it. So after this thirty second break, I'd like to come back and I want to I'd like to talk about how relationships because I saw where you said relationships and unity are synonymous. I want to talk about, you know, how we how do we walk this thing out that that you're talking about? Because I believe because I've seen it in your book, we can break this down into a practical way where it's very possible to do this. And not only is it possible, it truly does fulfill our purpose in life. So I, I want to come back and talk about that in about 30 seconds, okay? Sure. Great. So, yeah. Uh, okay. And so listeners, hold on. We'll be back in 30 seconds with Kevin Almond. We'll be right back. Listen and imagine. It takes five seconds to send a text, and for those five seconds, you're driving blind. Life is worth more than a text. Stay alive. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Coffee. You'll know that coffee stands for Conversations of Friends of Faith to Encourage and Equip. I'm Kim Crable, always delighted to be able to host this uh, programming with the most incredible guests that really do come to encourage, but more importantly, equip us, biblically equip us on living out God's word. Um, Today, we're so delighted to have Kevin Almond with us. Before we go there, though, if you'd like to learn more about the ministry in which God allowed me uh, to found Roses and Rainbows, I'd love for you to. It's all based on a story of relationship with my mom that I think you'll find interesting. But please go to our website. It's www.rosesandrainbows.org. Or to simplify, you could go to www.kimcrable.org. We are in the midst of our national tour, Friends of Faith, across America. We'd love to meet you wherever we're going and uh, be able to pull the body of Christ together. I do believe that this thing called unity, friendship, bringing us together for God's glory is the only way that this world is truly going to fall in love with Jesus. And so, therefore, it falls upon each of us. It behooves us to move in the direction of aligning our lives with the life of Christ so that he can be seen in this world because we are the ambassadors of Christ. And so what a, what a great uh, opportunity to be able to re- represent Jesus as we walk through our world. So let's get back to uh, our incredible guest, Kevin Almond. Kevin is coming to us um, through uh, uh, this thing called Technology from, from Texas, and he has written these incredible nine books on the unity of Christ, and I will tell you what, they are filled. They really should be college courses, maybe advanced college courses. They're, they're so deep and in-depth, but don't let that scare you. He breaks it down in a way that you can learn to live it out, the practical application of God's Word, and that's what I'm all about. I love it so much. For so many years, I didn't understand the practicality of living it. So um, Kevin has spent many years doing this for us. So, Kevin, let's come back in again. I just want to thank you so much for spending this full hour with us right here this morning. So thank you. You're welcome. Absolutely. And if we have any guests, if you're out there, I know that you're absorbing all the notes, but if you do have a question based on unity uh, or relationship, you can call in. You can call and uh, talk to Kevin uh, briefly uh, for at 347-324-5246. You'll go into a virtual waiting room. Um, then press 1, press 1, go into the virtual waiting room, and I'll be Alerted that you're on for a quick question. So 347-324-5246, press 1 to speak to Kevin Almond. Okay, Kevin, let's just go on and move um, through this. Um, how, how do we 
What what was it that I said? The first thing that we want to talk about. I got I've lost my list here. What was the third first thing? Well, we want to bring this real. We want to bring it down to how we walk this out and how friendship plays into this. So, what is, what is the correlation here with friendship and unity? Well, you know, friendship is a key part of relationship. And I've heard people say before, well, you know, you don't need but so many friends. Well, if you study scripture out. Jesus uh, wants us to have friendships and relationships with more. I mean, Jesus himself, we know he had uh, the one John, then he had the three, then he had the 12, and then he had people outside of that. But if we study relationship, you're going to find that friendship is a, a very close part of relationship because it's a, it's a type of, or a portion or a stage within relationship where people are uh, communicating together and they have taken the trust that's been given to one another and stewarded it properly through faithfulness. And it's, uh, it's really, when you study it out, it's, it's intricate in many ways and simplistic in many ways, but you would mm-hmm. expect that because that's what unity is. And so, uh, like I said in the, in the book, friendship is the stewarding of the responsibility that is entrusted to another through relationship, and so we we need to steward the trust that is given to us. Now, there I know that, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I know that there has been a teaching in the body of Christ for many years that is a false teaching, and it, it, Jesus never taught it on relationship this way, and that is that trust is earned. And mm. when you study it out, and that to some people may sound good. I heard that for years, and, uh, you know, I just I just didn't really focus on it until God began to, to reveal things about it to me because something just didn't seem right there. So I started to study, and, and I, I looked up in the Bible the word earn, and the word earneth is, well, the word earn is not in the Bible anywhere except in the Old Testament. One time is a as an Old Testament scripture, the word earneth, and it's in relation to wages, earning wages. And there are things mm-hmm. in the New Testament regarding it that people have translated to that word, but those are also in regards to earning wages. But my point is is that if you are not going to require that someone earn your trust, and how is trust, uh, how is it presented in the relationship? The Bible says that God first trusted us with the gospel, which is the same as saying he trusted us with his word, and that's the same as saying that he trusted us with his son because Jesus and the word are the same based on 1 John 5, 7, John 1, 1, and John 1, 14. The word of God was made flesh and dwelt among us, etc. So this thing about earning trust, if, if I require that someone earns my trust, then that means that in the relationship as it's begun, I haven't trusted them yet. I'm keeping them at arm's length, so to speak, because I'm requiring that they do everything the way I think they should do and everything the way that I, I want to see things happen in the relationship before I make the decision that I want to trust them. And mm. so, in other words, I'm walking by sight. I'm not walking by faith. Uh, what the mm. Bible teaches, is that trust is given, and just as God gave us his trust, you give someone your trust freely. When my wife and I got married, we got married, you know, uh, we didn't say, well, you know what, I'm not going to really trust you, I'll marry you, but I'm not going to trust you until I see how, you, how you're going to act. No, mm-hmm. I gave her my trust, and and I freely gave it to her. And when we freely give someone our trust, it's their responsibility to then steward that trust properly through faithfulness, proving themselves trustworthy. This is what we find in the parable of the steward. This is what happens. So it, when we enter into a relationship, we believe the best about a person. You see, First Corinthians, we know, is the love chapter in chapter 13. Verse 7 mm-hmm. says that when we walk in love towards somebody, love does not think suspiciously about a person. It believes the best about a person. But if I'm going to require that someone earn my trust, I'm not thinking the best about them. Now, they may think that I'm trusting them, but I'm not really. I've got to see them 
do everything the way that I think they should do and jump through the hoops before I determine whether I'm going to trust them. Now, don't don't uh, misunderstand. There are people out there that are not trustworthy. You can't trust mm-hmm. everyone. So how do mm-hmm. we de- determine who can be trusted and who cannot be trusted? Well, the Bible teaches that we, we need to walk in wisdom. We need to exercise God's wisdom, not man's wisdom, not the world's wisdom. And we need to also make sure that we have the peace of God. The Bible says is that if our heart condemns us not, we have confidence with God. That when we are entering into a relationship, and this is why it's important to be led by the Holy Spirit. When we, mm. you know, I've had people in my life where the Holy Spirit has said, no, stay away from this person. You don't mm. want this person in your life. And then I've had people uh, oftentimes where the Holy Spirit said, yes, you know, enter into a relationship with this person, and you you don't get any checks in your spirit, if you understand what I mean, that when you're when you're associating with people, but you enter into a relationship and you extend that trust freely to them, and then it's up to them to steward that trust responsibly, and uh, that's the basis and the foundation for relationship is trust. If we don't have trust, we can't have a proper relationship. This is the way that Jesus taught it, and it's the proper way. You don't want to go through your life with people in relationships where you're holding them at arm's length because you're waiting for them to earn the right to be your friend. That's that's not a biblical way mm-hmm. of doing it, and that's one of the reasons why we're not in unity. Well, and I think that goes back to something that we were talking about uh, in the first part of today's program is that if you're doing that, it's probably because there's um, unforgiveness or unresolved hurt or bitterness, something in your heart from a previous relationship, wouldn't you think, that yes. hasn't been cleared yes. up. So someone in your future is paying for something that happened in your past, and that goes that's back a, to loving God. Yeah, that's an, that's an excellent point because in the end of this book, you know, I've got nine books, so at the end of each book, I have a sneak preview of another book. And in this book that we're talking about today, Unity, It's Every Christian's Call, in the back of this book, the sneak preview is three chapters on trust. And in there, I talk about that very thing that that you're talking about. The last chapter is called Vulnerability, Friend or Foe. And we talk about in there what you just said, that a lot of people, you know, they've been betrayed or they've had something happen in their life. And for some people, more than once. So it's Mm -hmm. easy to understand how people can come to the place to where they don't want to trust someone and they're Mm -hmm. afraid to trust someone. And I talk about what the key to overcoming that is and how to overcome it and how the enemy works in that situation to try to keep us out of relationships so we can't fulfill our destiny and we, we won't come together in unity. Whether it's a husband and a wife, someone getting married and and uh, having unity in that relationship, or whether it's a business relationship or any kind of relationship. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, and when and when you really think about this, when you, I I love I'm like a bottom line person. Like, what's the bottom line to all this? And the bottom line to all this, when you, and I'm not trying to oversimplify, but the bottom line truly is this: God has a plan. The enemy has a plan. God's plan is to to for unity of all of all of His believers, no matter what denominations, to unify us into one in Him. And the and the enemy's plan is just to cause chaos and and to divide us any way he can. And I will tell you what what are you. Uh, in, in the world today, Kevin, when you look at seemingly the mess that we're in, I mean, what what are you seeing after spending this much time in this? Do you see us growing farther and farther apart in unity? Is there hope? Tell us, you know, what what are you seeing? What what is the diagnosis, and how do we begin? We have about fifteen minutes left. I want to talk about how do we begin as believers to truly walk out this thing called unity. I want some practical applications in um, from, from what you've learned in, in all of the study. But first, what are you seeing in the world? What, why, as a church, I think we're starting to lose hope. Not me personally, because I'm such a hope-filled person. I can always see the hope. But as a church, are we just throwing up our hands and saying, well, there's no use in just, you know, going to church on Sundays and forgetting about all this incredible 
stuff about unity, these principles? Well, people in the body of Christ, uh, leaders in particular, we need to understand that we need to quit trying to do our own thing and we need to come together, first of all. But the, the, yeah. a lot of what we see in the world, it, we, we, there's so much chaos in the world, and you know the Bible says there's a devil loose. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah. Uh, there's a devil loose, and there's so much chaos in the world. Unfortunately, because the church is not unified the way that we should be, when you study the whole thing out, much of what we see in the world today can be laid at the doorstep of the church, unfortunately, because if we were present the way that we need to be present, and when I say that, what I mean by that is if the love of God was visible, expressed visibly through the church the way that God intends for it to be, then a lot of people that right now in the world who are of the world uh, would be saved. They would they would be living for Jesus. And I know that the enemy can try to raise up, uh, you know, uh, just another person to take that person's place. And I'm sure that that is that is part of what happens in the world. But at the same time, if we're doing our part, then God is raising up new believers that uh, can be overcomers in in areas and probably are called to be on the world stage, making decisions that are going to keep us from harm, keep us uh, out of chaos to the degree. Now, we know that we're going to always have problems. Jesus told us that, that there were going to be tribulations, that evil was, was present, and that we were going to have to deal with that because there is a devil loose. But we have the victory in Christ. God's already yeah. won the victory. The victory is ours. But if we don't begin to, as you just said a minute ago, you know, what is the key to this whole thing to us? Uh, becoming unified, and how how are we going to affect the world? The, the key to it is but really what we talked about already because it's the foundation. If we're going to make sure that we're going to build whatever we're going to build, if it's going to last, the foundation, of course, has got to be strong. And that foundation in Christ is love because Jesus is love. And we we have I know that we've we've talked about that a number of times, but that really is the most important thing, is for mm-hmm. us to uh, learn how to express God's love. And look, here's the key right here, and this is a bold statement, but I believe it needs to be said, and then it really answers your question. Uh, and I know I don't know uh, I know we have a lot of people in the body of Christ that feel differently about this topic. And we don't have time to go deeply into it. But if you study the whole thing out and you say, why are we not in unity? What is, why are we not there? Well, there's a lot of things that we could probably say that, uh, that would be correct things. But if you brought it all up under one primary thing, Jesus told us in John 14:26, he said he was going to send the Holy Spirit back. And he said that the Holy Spirit was going to teach us all things. And, you know, if we need to know anything about unity, the Holy Spirit's going to teach us. He's going to be the one that's going to teach us about it, which means if we need understanding, what does a teacher do? A teacher brings understanding to the student. If we mm-hmm. will allow the Holy Spirit to have his way, because Jesus said the Holy Spirit would not speak of himself, he would speak of Jesus, and he would bring everything to our remembrance of what Jesus has said. Now, for you and I, that today, that means the Bible, the entire Word of God, because Jesus is the Word. So if, right. we, if we need to know how to communicate to people, we need to know how to live this life of Christianity. The Holy Spirit mm-hmm. is going to be the one that's going to teach us and bring us to the understanding that we need to have about unity and about how to walk in unity. And I, did, I talk about that. I talk about it in, in, the, in Chapter 3, uh, titled Unity in the Third Person. But I also yes. uh, go in depth about it in Volume 2, and Volume 3 is completely all about the Holy Spirit and what his part is in the church today and in their life as individuals. But this is, the, this is the key, is that we've got to build the intimacy of relationship with the third person of the Godhead because Jesus said that he was going to bring us into a deeper relationship with him. And what did Jesus mm-hmm. always talk about? He constantly talked about the relationship with the Father. And so that's Mm -hmm. why I said it in the book. I make the statement in the book, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to reveal the Father to us through the Son. 
And mm. if we will get that deep down in their spirit and develop the relationship with Holy Spirit through prayer, studying the Word, staying in God's Word, staying in His presence, learning to listen to His voice and obey His voice, we're going to build that intimacy that we need to build, and we're going to see the world change. The world will change. It's going to change as the body of Christ begins to get its priorities together and its foundation set and build on the foundation that Jesus talked about, which is him. He is the foundation. And what you just did there, and Lester, I hope that you really heard this, what, what Kevin was saying there, everything he said was pointing you back to you. You know, our world is confused. We're pointing out this group is bad and that person's wrong. And it's good to be able to have that discernment because one of, his, one of the things he talks about in his book is knowing how to choose friends and being with the right friends. But the, but the work that we do is within us. You know, we, we, are, we can't change anyone. We can just allow God to change us. And as, we allow, as people see us changing and falling more in love with God, with Jesus, then that's where that thirst comes or becomes the salt. Very quickly, Kevin, and we're down to probably about five minutes, five, six minutes. I do want to talk about, um, you know, we're always talking about, the world's always talking about um, finding their their purpose, finding, you know, what it is that, that God wants them to do. Um, it's one of, you have on here one of the most talked about subjects seems to be, um, you know, their destiny. How can they fulfill their destiny? Is there a connection? Tell us quickly the connection between biblical unity and every person being able to fulfill their God-given role, their destiny. I'm glad you brought that up because that is the primary thing that I want people to get uh, aside from what the true definition of unity is and their part in it, and that is this connection. Because uh, if you think about it, a God of love created your purpose. And purpose and destiny are two different things, but they're connected, of course. Purpose is yes. why God put you on this earth. What did he put you here to accomplish? Your destiny is the path by which you walk out that purpose. I like Psalm 119, 105, which states, God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you want to make sure that you wind up at the right destination, you stay in God's word because his word is going to always mm. keep you on the right path. 2 Timothy 2.15 states, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We have to move yes. from devotional reading to studying, and that means we're yes. going to have to make some priority changes. But to answer the question in terms of our destiny and fulfilling our destiny and connection to unity, God is a God of love. He created your purpose. He created the destiny of the, where he wants you to wind up at, Jeremiah 29 11 says, God speaking, I know the thoughts that I have towards you, good thoughts, not evil thoughts, plans to give you an expected end. So a God of love created you, he created your purpose, he created your destiny. So the path in between the two to fulfill your destiny must be a path of walking in God's love. So again, we come back to God's love. Here's the thing in one sentence. If I'm going to fulfill my destiny, if everybody is going to fulfill their destiny, they must be walking in the biblical principles of unity, or they cannot fulfill. Mm -hmm. God put them on this earth to fulfill. Everything that God is pointing us to comes back to building the intimacy with him, getting his love, getting filled with his love, and then taking it back into a hurting and dying world and expressing it out to those who are hurting and everyone that we come in contact with because that is the only way that people are going to come to Christ is when they see Christ in us and experience him through us, then they want to know what is different about this person. I want what you've got. I need Jesus in my life. And when we take that attitude, we will fulfill what God called us to. And if you don't know what your purpose is yet, stay close to God. Get in his word. Get into prayer. He will reveal it to you. He won't reveal it all at once, but he'll reveal enough of it for you to get started in moving in that direction. And as you grow in him, he'll reveal more to you when he knows it's time to. I love that. I love that. Kevin, again, down to a couple minutes, but I, you, you hit something there I want, I want you to answer. Let's say there's someone out there and they're listening. They're going, I don't, I don't know where to get started. I, this is this is what I want. This is the life I want. I want to live out my calling. 
right now, what would you say to the person that says, I don't, I don't even know where to start? Give us a, a, a one-minute answer. Where do they start right now? Well, if they know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you know, the place that they, if they don't, that's the first place. If they do, then the, the, it's all, the answer is always get into God's Word. Now, you know, you've got to be in a good Bible-believing church. You need to be around other yeah. believers. You need people encouraging you. Those things go without mm. saying. But you have to become a student of the Word because the Word of God is what holds the answers for everything that we're that we're looking for. It's, the answers are in there, and it's going mm. to take time to get into God's Word. You need to develop a hunger for God's Word. Uh, ask God. Talk to talk to God. You know, Jesus said, "You have not because you ask not. You know, mm. knocking it will be open. Asking you shall receive. Seeking you shall find." You have to be diligent in this thing called Christianity and in pursuit of your destiny. You've got to be diligent. Don't grow weary in times of well-doing, as Galatians 6, 9 says, because you will reap if you faint not. Stay with mm. it. Stay consistent. This is why we need friends, too, because friends help us. You yeah. know, the Bible says a friend is born for the day of adversity. <laughs> yeah. You, know, friend, yeah. You're, yeah. you were born to help somebody. That's why we're in this world. We're in this world to help people. Focus yeah. on helping other people and focus focus on growing in Christ and learning to express his love and let his love be birthed in you, and everything will work out. Trust God, and he'll bring it all to pass. It'll all work out. There you go. Wow, incredible words. (laughs) Kevin, what a joy it's been to have you. Remind our listeners uh, where they can begin to buy these books, because I'm going to be ordering. I have a couple. I'm going to order the rest. Tell, Remind people where they can go and order your books right after this broadcast. Uh, Unity, It's Every Christian's Call, the first book that we're talking about today, is available on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com. It's on our website, call2unity.com, and that's the number two, call, then the number two, unity.com. There's a study guide for both of these books. There's a study guide for the one we're talking about today. It's not on my website yet, but I have a friend of mine that's that I work with that's published. It's on his website. It's BurkhartBooks.com, and that's B-U-R-K-H-A-R-T, BurkhartBooks.com slash bookstore, forward slash bookstore. You can order it on there. It's an 11-week study. It's a powerful study. You can do it uh, on your own. You can do it with a Bible study group. There's another study guide coming out, not out yet, but for Volume 2, Walking in the Wisdom of God's Love. That book mm. is on Barnes & Noble. It is on Amazon as well. And uh, we look for, for the third book to be out here in a couple of months. But, uh, mm. you know, everybody wants to run to Amazon. You can, of course, get it there uh, or Barnes & Noble. And the, the second book, Walking in the Wisdom of God's Love, will be on our website here shortly as well. Mm. Great. Well, it has been an honor to have you on the show. I know our listeners will be ordering your books. And, and also, to, to get in touch with you for speaking engagements, um, how would they do that? Call to unity.com. There's a place on there uh, for them to contact me. Uh, I'm open, of course, to going and speaking at conferences or if someone wants to invite me to their church. Uh, and come and talk about unity. I'd love to do that. Uh, so whatever they want to talk with me about, they can contact me through that website, call2unity.com. Great, great. All right, and friends, all of that will be on all of my social media platforms as well. So please reach out. This is something, you know, this is something that is so important for us to get, the value of unity, what that means, and, and this thing called friendship and how you know, how we, we must go back to the foundations of what God said. But we, I think we, we're trying to fancy up uh, what God is doing and overcomplicate it. We bring it back to what is most important. I love one of the comments, and I'll end on uh, this one of the comments in Kevin's book, in this book, Unity, It's Every Christian's Call, toward the end, is talking about relationships. And I love the statement, Jesus allowed himself to be vulnerable because he knew that there was no other way to fully express 
the love of the Father. Friends, we can be vulnerable in this world, and we can be uh, smart about it as we go too, but we must understand that it's okay to let our guard down and love those around us. God is going to be putting people on your path today by design, and he is sending you out as if you were his invitation uh, to his love. What What a great opportunity. That's the unity, the value of friendship, the value of loving God and walking in our in our destiny. So, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. People, please reach out to him. Kevin, I'd like to do a follow-up at some time. I, there's so much more to talk about. But thank you so much for Amen. joining us. Oh, you're and, welcome, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And give your lovely wife a hug for me. She is a beautiful <laughs> woman in, in every way. So give her a hug. And we'll look forward I to will. seeing you again. Absolutely. And listeners, thank you so much for joining us right here. I hope and know that it was a conversation that truly did encourage and equip you. And we'll see you next time right here on Coffee. Goodbye, everybody. To learn more about Kim's books, teaching materials, or to invite Kim to speak at your event, please visit KimCrable.org. Thank you for joining us today. And remember, to learn more, please visit kimcrable.org.